Good morning. I'm starting the new year thinking about love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, that's probably a list of qualities that we would want to more characterize our life, and that's what we're going to talk about. How do we go about doing that? How our lives can be characterized by more by love or more today thinking more by joy. And when we think about that, we got to be clear about what the Bible means when it talks about joy. What is joy from a biblical perspective? I'm going to show a verse. It says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. And Jesus says, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take your joy. Would you agree that joy is not happiness? Um, you would never tell a woman going through labor, I thought you wanted a child. Why are you smiling? God help you if you do. Joy is the light at the end of a tunnel. Joy is the light at the end of the tunnel. Think of a woman giving birth. The pain as the child passes through the birth canal. And in her pain, she thinks about what will happen. The light at the end of a tunnel, giving birth to a, an infant, a son or a daughter. When her child emerges from the birth canal, that is what she focuses on in her time of pain. And James, when he writes, kind of puts this same kind of understanding with respect to joy. Joy is something that we look forward to in the midst of things that feel difficult, that feel uncomfortable. What it says, James writes, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When it says consider it all joy, literally what that means, be led into joy. Be led into joy. You're in a place that doesn't feel very joyful, that doesn't make you very happy. But what it's saying, think about where this road will lead. And as you think about where the road will lead, be led into joy. Because that's something that if you understand why the difficulties are happening in the first place and the outcome that God is going to accomplish, it's possible to experience difficulties and not be happy, but be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and draw some perspective. And that's what biblical joy is. It's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's not necessarily being in a happy place, but understanding the place that I am in now is going to lead to a good place. And knowing that gives me an ability to persevere. It gives me the ability to demonstrate joy. And that's what joy means biblically. 
Think about yourself being in a dark tunnel and consider where the road will lead. And that joy is the light at the end of the tunnel. What we're told is that the testing of our faith, the word really is the word that has to do with temptation. And it indicates trials and temptations will lead to the development of endurance. And when the Bible talks about trials and temptations, it's talking about different kinds of things that we don't want to experience. Temptations and trials are when we don't have what we want to have. And when we don't do what we want to do, we don't think what we want to think, and we don't feel what we want to feel. Trials and temptations are circumstances that we would change if we could, but we can't. And we have to learn then how to manage the tension of unwanted circumstances, thoughts, and feelings. The ability to remain in unpleasant circumstances will require that we learn to live with unwelcome, unwanted thoughts and feelings. I want you to think of thoughts and feelings that you like to have. Um, Pleasurable thoughts and feelings. When the Bible talks about be led into joy, when the the testing or temptations that we experience, it's indicating that you're going to go through a circumstance that is not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be pleasurable. At that time, it will be a temptation to want to, I'm out. I don't want to encounter this. I don't want to go through this anymore. Um, God allows us, causes us, I think that's probably more accurate with his children, causes us to endure difficult circumstances. Now, the reason we go through these circumstances is not because we have done something wrong in the past. When God puts difficult circumstances in our life, it's not that he is paying us back, thinking about something we've done wrong and getting us back for it. When God introduces those things into our life, he's not thinking about what we've done, he's thinking about what we will do, but what will be formed as we learn to go through difficult circumstances. What it says, the testing of your faith, the experience of temptations will create perseverance. The ability to remain under a circumstance that you'd rather not stay in. And listen to what it says about this endurance. It says, let that have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And what it says, there is a tool God uses to shape Christian character and usefulness. And what this tool is, is perseverance. He puts us in places where we have to learn to stay in places where we experience unwanted, unwelcome things, and the discipline, what we learn to stay in those places, that is what God uses to create the character he wants to create so that we will end up being more useful. I remember seeing a movie about Navy SEALs. They go through rigorous training. And if they can endure the training, it's the first step 
in being equipped along with the rest of their unit to function in a very specialized way. It's very, very difficult training. And this is the image. When it talks about temptations, it's not describing God sticking his foot out so that we can trip up. That's not the image. Temptations are solicitations there in the midst of difficulties. It's the desire to, I don't want to go through this anymore. The fact is the things and the difficulties God allows, causes us to go through, if we will remain and learn to live under them, they will shape our life. The things that he places in our life, like the training a Navy SEAL goes through, it's not just difficulty, it's learning things that will equip the Navy SEAL to be able to function. That's what God puts in our life. He's not thinking about what we did wrong. He's thinking about what we will do right as the ability to endure grows. Um, not Not everyone who tries to be a Navy SEAL, makes it through the training. About 20% do. I've read, and actually I've had a discussion, I'll talk about him a little bit, somebody went through Navy SEAL training, and there is a bell. And when you're going through the training, that if you get to the place where, that's it, I can't do anymore, what you do is you go and you ring the bell three times. And everybody hears that, and when you ring the bell three times, at that point, you're no longer in the training. But no longer are you in the process of being a Navy SEAL. Um, James, you know what James is enduring when he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance? says, perseverance must finish its work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. These Jewish Christians that he's, just, he's writing to at the time, they're not having their best life now. The cost of embracing Christ has cost them dearly. Many of them have been forced out of Israel into the Roman Empire. They can't be part of the synagogue. And if you are a Jew in the first century, the synagogue is the place where everything happens. It's the community center. It's where you socialize. It's where you do business. It's where you feel like you belong. These Jewish Christians then are not really part of Gentile culture because they're Jews, but they're not really part of Jewish culture because they're Christians. And they don't have their best life. And what they are in the position where they're getting ready to do is ring the bell. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't continue to experience what I'm experiencing. And what James is saying to them, he's encouraged them not to ring the bell. For them to ring the bell would mean leaving the path of usefulness and going back at that point into Judaism, to the synagogue, back to civilian life. The temptation to do so is strong. And when they are going through these difficulties, they are believing that God is tempting them and testing them. And James takes issue with that. Look what he says. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God 
cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own desire, he is dragged away and enticed. It says in the New International, the New International Version, he is dragged away by, by his own evil desire. And the fact is, the word evil is not there in the original language. It's not evil desire, it's desire. Is the desire to be pleased evil? Is it evil? No. If you're being put in a place where difficulties will allow you to be trained, is the desire for pleasure problematic because it probably is going to cause you to want to ring the bell? That's the image. It's not evil desire. The desire to be pleased is natural. But if we're going to walk the path that he would have us walk, it's learning to stay in situations that we would like to leave if we could, but we don't want to ring the bell. That's what James is encouraging them. Um, He says, um, again, each one is tempted when by his own desire should say he had dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So there's a couple of things. God is untemptable. What it means is, God, you can't solicit, you can't kind of move God from a place where you trip him up. God is all-powerful. And not only is he untemptable, he doesn't tempt anyone. So it's saying God doesn't stick his foot out. It's not God that solicits, solicits you, tries to reel you in. It says each one is tempted by his own desire. And it's not evil desire. It's just desire. Uh, it's human. It's human. Um, it's the human desire not to want to experience difficulties. No one, no one, unless they are not very healthy, emotionally, likes pain and difficulty. No one likes it. What it indicates, though, is that if you are going to be the person God wants you to be, experiencing difficulty is non-negotiable. Let endurance have its perfect result. You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That doesn't mean you go, oh, wonderful, that's great. It's not great. It's the truth, though. And what that means, some of you might be going through difficulties. Of course you are. And you've wondered, what did I do wrong? The fact is, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. Those whom God loves, he disciplines and puts in difficult places. Why? To build spiritual strength and character. Not in order to pay you back for what you've done wrong, but to equip you for usefulness in the future. That's the image here. It's our desire, and again, that drags us away from experiencing unwanted thoughts and feelings into experiencing desired thoughts and feelings. Learning to live with disappointment. I'm using my words carefully. From a biblical perspective, learning to live with disappointment makes a person useful and joyful. 
Jesus told the parable that kind of ties in, talks about the sower and the seed. It says, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. It's, the joy here is a temporary joy. It's not a deep joy. It's not the kind of joy James talks about in James 1. It's the wonderful. And listen to what it says. But it goes on and says, they believe for a little while, but in the time of testing, that word is the time of temptation, the time of difficulty, the time where I'm tired of this, I want to ring the bell. Um, they, in the time of testing, they fall away, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, who hear the word. That's step one. Retain it. Retain means to remain in it, to make room in your mind for it. Stuff like this. Consider these verses. Think about, well, it's what you're doing here. You hear, and we talk about it, and you think about it. Retain it, and by enduring, persevering, produce a crop. Um, If we're going to be made useful, if we're going to reproduce, well, I guess reproduction spiritually and physically requires that we look at the end of, that we focus on the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. It's the same thing for reproducing physically. It's the same thing reproducing spiritually. Those whom God uses to birth things have the scars to show for it. Seems to be what scripture indicates. Um, How can we remain on the path? How can we not ring the bell and opt out and say, I don't want to be useful, I'd rather be happy. Let's a couple things. Um, first, focus on the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, again, and you don't, and that's what James is doing. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. That's what he's saying. Focus on the light at the end of the tunnel. And what he said, be led to joy. Think about, I'm going through this difficulty And it's not fun, but at the end of this road is usefulness. Focus on the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I remember I was in upstate New York. I lived in upstate New York, um, right about an hour and a half below Buffalo. Now I got a route for the Buffalo Bills because they won last night. So anyway, anyway, it snows all the time in Buffalo, and it's you know lake effect snow. They get huge amounts of snow. I lived up in there for about four years, and I remember one trip. I was going through Erie, Pennsylvania. And the snow was so, it was falling so heavy. It was one of those things. It wasn't necessarily a whiteout, but there was so much snow on the interstate that I didn't know where the road was. And I have this little car, and there was a truck in front of me. And I had to keep up with that truck. And what I did, I stayed on that truck's tail, and I kept my foot on the accelerator, and I... And because I knew if I slowed down and stopped, I couldn't even pull over to the side of the road. So, and then I remember when I was able to see the sign with the exit on it. And I had taken that exit to Jamestown, New York, where I was many times. But I never really had the joy of exiting until I exited this time. It's a different thing. 
when you encounter something difficult, you get to a place where something is changing and the joy in that I didn't have to stay on that, but, but it's focusing on the light at the end of the tunnel. I knew the, I knew that that exit would come at some time and it helped me stay on the truck's um, tail. Number one, focus on the light at the end of the tunnel. Number two, focus on those around you. I had a, I had a conversation with Raleigh Hansen. Raleigh is a member of the church and he's a Navy SEAL. And so I talked to him, I talked to him, I said, hey, Raleigh, um, is it true that, you know, they have the bell and that if you can't get it through the training that you ring the bell? And he said, yeah, it's absolutely true. And I, I asked him a question, did you ever want to ring the bell? And what he said to me, no. I said, no. Was training difficult? He goes, yeah, but I, why wasn't it that you, why didn't you ring the bell? And you know what he said? because everybody in my unit was going through the same things. You know what he said? And I said, well, you didn't want to disappoint those in your unit. You wanted to remain with them as because 100%. If they can get through it, I'm going to get through it with them. And that sense of walking through something difficult together. When Jesus talked to his disciples and says, you need to love one another. This is what he was thinking about. It wasn't that, oh, what a wonderful, happy, this is so fun to be a Christian in first century Israel. It was difficult. The ones who made it were the ones who bound together as a band of brothers and sisters. We can get through this together. This is a difficult thing, but we don't have to get through it alone. That's what he said. That's what kept him from ringing the bell. I'm not in this alone. There's others walking with me and I don't want to disappoint them and I don't want to depart from them. We're going to make it through together, right? And that's what, that's a lot of the glue of the early church was staying together in order to deal with difficulty. Third and last, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. This is what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. Let me me give you an illustration as we close. But from the psalm, I'm going to give you an illustration of a guy who gets wisdom. Let's, Let's find out what this guy's issue is. He really is having a really hard time. It's in Psalm. Here's what's happening. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. And they're not plagued by human ills. This guy looks around and sees bad people with good things. And it's driving him crazy. And he just he can't make peace with it. And he knows that he's experiencing difficulties. And, but he sees these people and he, and he just, and anyways, he doesn't know what to do. And then he ends up then getting caught. And then look what he says. Uh, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. He says, when I tried to understand this, it was oppressive to me. What ends up happening, this guy understands that he's going through very difficult things, and he looks around, and other people aren't going through the same things. And he says, what the heck is going on? 
And he tries to understand it. The more he tries to understand it, the more difficult it becomes. And then what he says is he gets to the place until I enter the sanctuary of God and then I understood their final destiny. You know what this guy ends up doing? He ends up saying, God, I need wisdom. I can't, I can't make peace with what I see. And God gave him wisdom. What happened with this guy? Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. You know what happened with this guy? He's looking at his life through a narrow angle lens, and he sees these particular things happening, and he can't make peace with it. It's driving him crazy. And then he gets to the place of saying, God, I don't get it. I need wisdom. And you know what God did? He reached down took this lens off, took off the narrow angle lens, and put on a wide angle lens. Look at this now from the viewpoint of eternity. And this guy puts this back up and looks at his life and says, oh my goodness, I've been acting and thinking as if life is only 30, 40, 50, or 60 years. But with a view to eternity, everything looks different. So I'm going to go through a few difficult things now, but I'm going to be with you always. That understanding of what's at the end of the tunnel, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Do you want to be who God wants you to be? James says, don't be double-minded about it. It doesn't mean you need to like bad things, hard things, difficult things. You mean you ought to be honest about it. But also be honest God, help me focus on you. Help me focus on those around me. Give me wisdom. We talked last week about a prayer. God, help me to know your love. That's a great prayer. And this second one, God, give me wisdom. If you're in a circumstance where God says, and, and you're tempted to ring the bell, ask him for wisdom. He gives to all men generously without finding fault. And it will be given to him. May pray for us. Father, thank you for your good purposes and promises. Thanks for being honest about the road that you lead your children on. It's a road that has difficulties. And when we're on that road, we'll be tempted to want to bug out and to just have a comfortable life. And what you tell us that you would have us follow in the path that Jesus walked. Now, we're not going to experience what he did, but there will be things that will be uncomfortable. And you tell us that joy is the light at the end of a tunnel. You are good at equipping us to do the things you would have us to do. I'd ask that you'd give us the ability to be persevering so that we would get to the place where we would experience and learn to experience joy. In Jesus' name, amen.